0: Something. You got it. Well, you don't even know what I'm gonna give because you, much that's less what doesn't I'm asking matter. you. You've got it. All right, but I'm asking yeah. you not to interfere in this next matchup with Ken Shamrock and The Rock. You promise. I will not be a thorn in your side. You give me the present and I'll do anything. You
1: don't even know what this is. You it trust me that I, I trust you and I have it for you. This is the WWF Hardcore Championship Belt and Mick.
0: You've earned it. <laughs> I love it. You've earned it. I gotta be honest with you, I love it. Just one thing. In some respects, I think I lost a son tonight, but maybe maybe I gained another one. Really? Gee, thanks, Dad.
1: the payoff. Jeff, it's the Hardcore Title episode. As always, this is Tom Healy and I am joined by my co-host, Jeffrey Ryan. Jeff, you excited to talk Hardcore Title and more importantly, How the hell are you doing today, my friend?
2: Another great week to be a wrestling fan. You know, can't deny that. Uh, I got to admit, I am pumped to finally be talking about the hardcore title, hardcore championship. It was one I've always been a fan of. You know, I remember it pretty vividly from back in the day. And, you know, 24-7, we'll talk about it a little bit, you know, trying to capture a little bit of that magic. But, you know, I
1: haven't captured much of it.
2: I was trying. And so, but the hardcore belt itself, it was just a, a fantastic back in the day and you know, I wish we could really have something like that strap again. So as always subscribe to the payoff, give us those five stars, spread the word about the show. Um, You can always find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that at payoff pod. We've been getting a few more requests lately, which is great. So don't hesitate to drop us a message or reply. Just some of the matches you want to hear us talk about. We may not be able to do it right away, but we definitely like hearing from you guys, like hearing the matches that you want to talk about. So thanks to the few people that did reach out to us, you know, uh, we'll, We'll do our best to find a guest and kind of incorporate those matches somehow and so we do appreciate that so one opportunity if we just want to chat about it could be our patreon page just that one tier PayoffPatreon.com, revamped it a little bit still got our after show still got those monthly bonus episodes just still a lot of that great content discussions on the big pay-per-views make sure to check that off just that one tier PayoffPatreon.com. so tom what else do you have for those listening
1: As always, thank you for listening. Uh, Great engagement on social media. Had a big couple weeks there, which has been fantastic. We appreciate it and uh, love the ideas, the support, the feedback, everything. So thanks as always there. Ah, Looking forward today, man. Fun topic. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, we've had some fantastic guests. And uh, our friend of the show, Dennis Gold, likes to uh, rank them. We, Jeff, do not rank our guests. We love them all equally. But I will tell you what man. There's just a lot of support in Payoff Nation for Vicky Guerrero. Isn't that right?
2: Yeah, every uh, the fans, uh, we will definitely keep bringing her back because, uh, boy, everybody loves hearing from Vicky and especially that match. Like, can't go wrong with the uh, ladder match there for uh, Custody of Dominic.
1: Yeah, so if you haven't heard that one, go back. Obviously, there's a lot of great stuff in the archives, but I just wanted to give a special shout-out to Vicky because payoff fans love her, and so do we. She was a fantastic guest. So with that being said, Jeff, kick off the show with our agenda, and we'll jump right into it. Yeah, you know, every week we still get
2: some new people joining in, which we love that. And so we give you a deep dive into a match every Monday, and each episode has three parts. So we got the build, the payoff, the aftermath, we talk about that before, during, and after the match, just to give you a full kind of overview of what was happening in just that one match in those superstars. So we have a few reviews and write-ups from the match. You know, we try and go to, the, to some of the experts, and, uh, and then we give our scores as well, too, just kind of what we think. And we incorporate a little bit of everything. You know, we've got the ability to uh, see what has transpired since then, and so it kind of helps us a little bit. But that's how the payoff works. So, Tom, we'll throw it, too. We'll kind of jump right in right away. Why did you want to talk about this one?
1: Well, a couple things, you know, Raven is an awesome guest. So anything that I think we discuss with him is going to be fascinating and have some great stories and some inside baseball, if you will. So certainly love having Raven as a guest. I, I don't think there's a match we could do with him that wouldn't be interesting and fun. And we'd learn some new stuff. and We'd have a great conversation. Next thing, man, hardcore title, pretty cool topic it's something that you know we haven't covered yet on the show and you know in a lot of ways may never come up as being like an all star five star tokyo dome world time all classic blah 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 but, dude, it's some fun stuff. And I'll talk more about this, but I just, to me, wrestling sometimes is like a variety show, right? You want to have a variety of things on there. You want some stuff that's funny. You want some stuff that's serious. You want some great matches. You want some stuff that's more comedy. You want some good angles. You want some good promos, right? That's, to me, like when wrestling's firing all cylinders and and really this kind of like 97 to 2001 WWF era, they just did a lot of stuff right that I think is good and different and unique. And the hardcore title is one of those things. I think now we don't have nearly as much variety, which is interesting because there's like, you know, 20 hours of programming a week. So I thought that was fun. So again, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Jeff, I want to know why you wanted to talk about it, but also of the 240 different title reigns that took place who was your favorite hardcore champion ever
2: uh, i don't know if i have a favorite i did you know appreciate kind of looking through the list uh spike dudley is probably pretty high on my list uh i definitely like seeing that name on there and then i've always been an rvd fan it was fun to see uh, rvds uh, rob van Dam, rvd's name thrown in there a little bit too so that's always well, good too
1: yeah. So I, I think my favorite was the uh, 36th title reign. It was Symphony Lynch, who was one of the Godfather's hoes. I uh, was not aware of that, but there you go. Okay. There's your trivia for today. <laughs> <laughs> the little things. Okay. And here's another one for you. Just as a, as a runner up, Pete Gass. I was a big Mean Street Posse fan interesting okay did did you know that i went to a raw in the late 90s dressed as the mean street posse along with like six other guys
2: i hope your mother has a photo of that (laughs) there is
1: yeah i was trying to find the episode we all had sweater vests on and it was actually fantastic that's a good look that that, that would go over well even nowadays i know i know (laughs) maybe we'll bring it back for wrestlemania um all right but why why did you want to cover this one we really hadn't
2: covered a hardcore title match. And so it really let me go down that rabbit hole and research something I hadn't yet, you know, knew about it. But it's fun for me, especially, too. And, you know, we spend, a, you know, a little bit of time just really researching and digging in. And so we're all about that. We like the different stuff. And it doesn't have to be a, a like you said, a five star match or one of the best series ever, what it might be. But the hardcore title at the time was definitely something a little different, especially with, you know, we'll talk about like what was happening with dcw and all that stuff but this is one too like just talking about it and kind of looking into it, it got me excited so that's why i really wanted to jump into this one plus raven and having him here to talk about this stuff you can't beat it like you know he's he's one of the ones that really embodied a lot of that and so with that being said let's get to the build oh it's time for the build
1: all right it's the build It's WrestleMania 17, otherwise known as WrestleMania X7. April 1st, 2001, the Reliant Astrodome, just about 68,000 in attendance, did a gate of 3.5 million, Jeff, most ever for the venue at the time, and maybe ever. They also sold over 100,000 tickets for WWF Access, the Fan Fest. So just a monster weekend. And again, this was, you know, at a time where, let's see, 16 was in an arena, 18, gosh, I, I'm i drawing a blank. But again, there were still, you know, so we were still getting those arena shows, right? I mean, but then they were doing Go and oh, Toronto was 18. So yeah, so then they were starting to do the arena stuff then. But I, I'm guessing that based on the fact that 10, 11, 12... 13, 14, 15 were all in arenas. 16 was as well. This was, maybe it was just such a big show because as far as the attendance and the gate and the fan fest, because like there was this pent up demand of people that wanted to do WrestleMania and then they made it another big deal or a bigger deal than it had been. So, you know, in some cases, this was one of the first real like big WrestleMania weekends and you can see it's starting to grow. And obviously, as they say, the rest is history. Often regarded as the best Wrestlemania of all time. I don't want to do a deep dive into the show because I'm guessing we will at some other point. And Jeff, there's just so much to talk about during this era that we're going to cover it on a bunch of different shows. I will say that for as great of a Wrestlemania as it was, the undercard was solid but not spectacular. The match we're going to cover was the third match on the show. What made this show the classic that it really was is those final, well, four of the final five matches, which were Shane and Vince having an awesome street fight. That's the one where Linda comes out of coma. And I mean, that was just awesome. Great match. Then you had the TLC match that Edge and Christian one. That was a classic. they, Went with The Undertaker defeating Triple H. Great no-holds-barred match there. And then the Steve Austin-Rock match. Again, we're going to talk so much about this show and everything that happened in some of these matches later on, but just wanted to give everyone a refresher. Now, wedged in between two of the final four matches was that gimmick Battle Royal. I'll tell you what, man. That was fun. That was a really fun match. If you haven't seen that in a while or forget, go back and watch that. Uh, You had the brain on commentary. You had some fun gimmicks there. But Jeff, you know, it's funny. I I look at this card, and I know that this card was probably like four hours and not the six hours we get now. But if you look at the card, there's just a a variety of stuff, right? It goes back to what I was saying, where, you know, the match we're going to cover, it was a really fun part of something larger, right? It wasn't just, Oh, we're going to have a 15 minute knockdown drag out classic match. And then we're going to do another one. And then we're going to do another one. I mean, that's the stuff that kind of burns people out. But when you do a variety of things like this show had, it's really fun. Now, what's going on in the business at the time, Again, you're going to hear us cover a lot of this stuff on other episodes, but just as a reminder, because I literally this couple weeks stretch in company history and really in, in pro wrestling history fascinates me. As a reminder, you have WCW going out of business. Bischoff's trying to buy it. He doesn't get the TV deal. WWF does buy it. They were originally going to do a separate Nitro, a separate WCW brand. We obviously know what happened there. We also have ECW going out of business. And Paul Heyman is signing on with the WWF and doing commentary out of nowhere. Why is he doing commentary? Because Jerry Lawler walked out because he didn't like the way his wife at the time, the cat, was being treated. This was like six wives ago. So you have all that going on, all right? And by the way, side note, Heyman and JR on commentary, like incredible together. They I, I were just so good. What else is going on, Jeff? Oh, this little thing called the XFL is happening, all right? We're in the middle of the XFL season. Vince McMahon had his big freak out on Bob Costas, that famous HBO thing where McMahon just goes nuts. It was one of the first real, like, inside glimpses at Vince, like, not in any type of, like, character or being the dorky commentator. And you're just like, man, this guy's, like, kind of crazy i just remember there's something in his eye during that costas thing and again if you don't know what we're talking about or haven't seen it well go back and watch it It was crazy insane i mean you're like who the hell is this person i mean yeah. you, you, like you would never seen someone in real life like act that way right i yep. mean it's like this isn't a character and it yep. was like it was crazier than any of, like the mr mcmahon stuff <laughs> yep paul Hogan's in talks with the wwf about returning Obviously, didn't happen for a little while after this, but there were some conversations about this. Wait, Couple, was this 2001 or 2019? Two, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, okay, I got one for you that you're going to go, wait, what year was this? All right, this is great. So Shawn Michaels walks out or gets kicked out of the WWF at this time, and I'm thinking, well, why, What did he? what was he getting kicked out for? He wasn't doing anything. Well, little did I know, a year before he actually did come back, there was talk of a comeback match at this point. Now, Jeff, here's the great part about this. 2001, what match were they talking about bringing Shawn Michaels back for? What? HBK and Triple H against The Undertaker and Kane.
2: Of course. Yeah.
1: Uh, 18 years before we got it in Saudi Arabia. We got it eventually. We finally got there. I mean, you know, when you hear like nothing surprises you in the wrestling business, I mean, nothing surprises you. You can't make this shit up, right? So that was new. I never knew that before, but I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my God. Okay. I'm I'm glad we
2: finally got the match we all desired.
1: I know. And then in the midst of all of this craziness, Jeff, what happens? We have the biggest star. Currently, and probably in the history of the business, depending on what metrics you use or just how you feel about them, the biggest star ever, Steve Austin, turns heel out of nowhere for no reason. Says it's the biggest regret of his career, one of them along with walking out. He should have called an audible in the ring and just stunned McMahon, but he turns heel. Probably loses, you know, $10 million in t-shirt sales, leads to like just some bad booking. I just thought the irony of all this, Jeff, before I turn it back over to you, I just want to say everyone romanticizes about WrestleMania 17 being the greatest WrestleMania of all time, and it probably was in a lot of ways. It certainly was. It was fantastic. But there's like... 15 really shit decisions the company makes like during this like couple week period. <laughs> they did like I guess here's the lesson to be learned right is sometimes like the worst decision making they're having and the most chaotic it is behind the scenes can be the best television they're putting on in a lot of cases because one may not matter to the other or it may be that there's going to be a lag, right? So the shit decisions that take place in 2001 might lead to, oh, I don't know, some really tough times from 2003 beyond. But interesting, right? So that's what I got for you. But again, this is going to be stuff that we, uh, some of the stuff we're going to cover again in the future because you're talking about WrestleMania 17. You're talking about so many different matches and angles and all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. But that's what I got for you, Jeff. So from a storyline standpoint, how did we get to a triple threat, hardcore title match at WrestleMania with these three guys of all people? It did, too. It had one of the best spears
2: ever from Edge, so let's not overlook that either. So that was the the off-the-ladder spear to Jeff Hardy. They'll be
1: be showing that for the rest of our lives.
2: Yep, especially when he comes back, but that's a story for another day. So let's start just a little bit of history on the Hardcore Belt, the Hardcore Championship. Uh, It is officially known as the Hardcore Championship, and that any match for this belt at the time, it had to include stipulations of no disqualification, no countouts, and pinfalls anywhere. One other thing that the 24-7 stipulation, which was not the belt itself as we know it now, but that kind of stipulation that it was added, it was almost over a year later, I had about 15, 16 months. And of course, as we all know that now, that is as long as a ref is present, the belt could be defended at all times. So that was not one of the initial pieces of that. So just kind of something cool. So Tom, some hardcore trivia, both for you and the fans here, the longest, the longest single reign, it was 97 days. It was
1: the big boss,
2: man, actually
1: which I didn't like. I'm remember. i thought, him, oh, I'm sorry. I thought trivia how I thought how trivia worked was one person asked another person a question. I got a lot of that. Don't you worry, buddy. Oh and boy. So okay. I, I'm going to, because I was just more shocked by the
2: fact that it was the big boss man. And so he had, it was the longest single reign 97 days and he held it for 154
1: total that's someone so, we got to cover on this show
2: not was, a hardcore
1: title match but no, there's some good material there
2: he was good I, I remember having his action figure i always play with that one him and the mountie and so that was one of my favorite matches for whatever reason so that's so the, the one yeah,
1: that's the match you got to cover that was a that, good one.
2: that's the one so the longest total time and this one I'll, I'll kind of let you guess on this one if you haven't looked at the notes here the longest total time with the strap it was 172 days over six reigns you have any idea who that was? 172 days. Yeah, that would be uh, Crash Holly. That was not a good guess, but Steve Blackman actually. Oh, so a lot of people that I would have like, I wouldn't have thought. Oh, okay that that person. Okay, we'll go with that. And so, but our guest today, including house shows, the internet and the numbers very much in flux because it includes house shows on some of this, and so Raven had it at least 25 different times. Somewhere between 25 and 30. The number was all over the board when I was looking at it. And so, and I didn't just trust Wikipedia for what it was. So, Raven, I have roughly 25 to 30 times, and it was over 84 days. So, that's kind of crazy to think in three month time frame that like every three, four days he was winning it. So, that was interesting. For those, the others. That were in this match, you got Kane, that was one time for 16 days. So when he won it on this show, that was he held it for 16 days, and then that was it. And then he did a big show. He was three times for 28 days. And so it's kind of interesting numbers there. And so your inaugural champ hopefully you know who the inaugural hardcore
1: champion was. Oh, the inaugural, yeah, that was f- McFoley. Foley. The first to have it was yeah, he- Mankind, yep. Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was the classic, like, old belt. Yeah, it was great. Yep.
2: So he had it for about a month, and then he lost it to Big Boss Man. So crazy. And then uh, another odd piece of trivia here, we've talked about him already once today, who was technically the last superstar to hold the belt before it was unified with the Intercontinental title. We've talked about him once already. Mr. Monday Night, RVD. It was RVD. And so and so that was how the belt at the time, it was just 2002, kind of came to its conclusion, was it was, oddly enough, unified with the Intercontinental title. So there you go. So it's a little bit of history on the belt, the strap itself. So what about this match? How do we get to this one? So this one has some just kind of, I say, some fun layers. And so a bunch of different players on this one. So just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride on this one. So. Before this WrestleMania, Triple H, he beat Stone Cold. It was about one month before that February, a little over that, it no way out. It was a two out of threes falls match. So you got Triple H beating Stone Cold. And this is like we've seen a little bit more recently that every kind of pinfall had a different stipulation to it. So the first what do, fall. What do, you, what do you think of that style? Like that, do you like it? Uh, I think I texted you the last time we watched a match like that, and I said, God, it's got to be killer on them, because they, they had gone like 40 minutes, and then it's was like, it okay, Gargano. Was it a Gargano yeah, match, it was a NXT? Yeah. yeah, and then you've got to, oh, and now you've got to do a cage match. It's like, Jesus, like I can't imagine, but oddly enough, this one, how that played out, it was just a regular singles match, and then a street fight, and then the steel cage match. So, if you weren't already beat up enough, like, and you know, we've talked about the stamina, some of these guys, and the conditioning, like, I can't I can't even imagine like, well,
1: remember that's when they were, and I don't remember that match in particular, but I bet they probably bladed like crazy too. remember. That's when like, they would just be gushing out blood in some of these main events. Yes. And so Triple H, after he beat Stone Cold, he
2: felt like he deserved the Mania main event after this one. So cut a few promos on this one, then or that. He beat The Rock, he beat The Austin, beat all those other ones. He wanted to be, you know, he had beat everyone, but of course he had not beaten The Undertaker. So oddly enough, to this point, they, you know, hadn't had a match where Triple H had beat him. So this is when the two of them, and again, this isn't even the people that we're in this match that we're going to talk about, but these two you know, play into the story a little bit here. So what we got here though, raw is war. We're now in March. So just getting closer to mania here. The undertaker is he was about to go out to the ring for a hardcore title match against the big show. Triple H attacked him. So, they brawled this was too, when I say taker this was uh, American badass taker and, and I it's think that's uh,
1: yeah I was gonna say I think that's important to explain because it's not like you know the, the undertaker yeah, you think of point. coming out for a hardcore title
2: match no <laughs> so this is the American badass and this was actually the uh, like I say Triple H attacked him when he was kind of like he actually pinned him under his motorcycle I went back and watched it it was nutty but that was a whole part of it and so as he's getting attacked by Triple H Kane came out to make this Dave, and this was the brooding Kane as we now, you know, we know and kind of a lot of people associate him with, not uh, the masked, there was the masked Kane, so that's something to remember, but as Kane was trying to help The Undertaker, though, after he had gotten the beat down from Triple H, Big Show attacked Kane. And so now we've got two players in the match here. And so this was two and a little bit of the Brothers of Destruction were happening and the two of them were together. So we had that. So you've got some of the players starting to, to come into the picture here. So Kane then getting knocked out, Undertaker laid out. We talked about it a little bit here. You know, some of this storyline, it, it gets a little crazy here in a minute. But one thing to note that this, the week prior to this, a lot of our fans might remember, this was the episode that had a Trish barking like a dog. And so, uh, for better or worse, that was a moment. And so the stories, not all of them were great, but we did have that going on. So
1: just, just a few years before give divas a chance hashtag, right? Yeah, that's all right. Different
2: era. It was a different different world we lived in back then. Yeah, so you've got these guys laid out. Brand Split Be damned. that was on Raw. We're now on SmackDown. Undertaker Mm -hmm. playing both shows. He actually tried to break into the limousine of Triple H and Stephanie, but as he was trying to do that, and again, this is, remember, the American badass got arrested. So because of that, that same show, Kane requested a match against Triple H, but he ended up losing because Big Show once again got involved, distracted him, and Triple H hit a pedigree and got the win. So now we get to our guest Raven, but you can a little bit here you can already figure out what road this is going down, at least with those kind of men and what was playing out there. So the Big Show, he was actually the title holder at the time. He had a match where he was was supposed to defend it against Raven. Big Show was really beating him. He had the upper hand here, but then Kane came out and started interfering because of their previous they kind of dust up, if you will. And remember, this being a hardcore match, this was all fine. So he could come out, he could do what he wanted. It wasn't a big deal. So Kane ended up laying out the Big Show with the steel steps, all 500 or 5,000 pounds of them, however much they weigh. I don't even remember. But no normal man should be able to lift them, but laid him out with the steel steps, and then Raven pinned him in that moment to win the hardcore belt so now we have raven now has won the belt from the big show after kane has interfered so but then in the fun twist after this that kane helped him but raven then hit kane anyways so it started that little feud right there and so raven kind of ran out of the ring to get away from kane but you had that so So like I said, I got to stop for a minute because there's just a lot of pieces to this, but it's kind of fun. But in 2019, we hear it all the time. People not liking, you know, the current product. And up until now, this story, it did kind of make a lot of sense in, in regards to why, you know, things were happening. But this word gets just a little crazy. So if you disagree and think it's not already crazy. So uh, as is what happens in real life, The Undertaker, remember, was arrested after trying to get into the limo. So Stephanie had a restraining order against him because, right, that makes sense. But The Undertaker, being the law-abiding citizen that he was, the American badass, that with a match that was actually Triple H and Test going on, and Stephanie was ringside, Kane came down to the ring and then tried to distract Triple H by getting Stephanie away from the ring. Now, again, remember, Undertaker has that restraining order, so he can't get close to the ring, but Kane manages to get Stephanie to run through the crowd and get away from there, so now The Undertaker can get involved in the match with Test and Triple H. So, Cut to, and this is where it falls. I say falls off the rails or it gets good, however you want to look at it. That Kane is now backstage after the match, and he's literally. And the videos out there will share it. He's literally holding Stephanie over his head in like a body press, and that he's threatening to throw her off of the second floor balcony. If at the time, WWF Commissioner William Regal. Does not grant Undertaker the match against Triple H that he wants. So that's what it takes. You know, you got to threaten the boss's daughter and, you know, go right to the commissioner and threaten to throw her off a balcony. And apparently you can get whatever you want. So it's so
1: sad because I remember this vividly.
2: But I have to remember that next time I have an office meeting. So I'm I'm not proud of it. Right. Yeah. I went back. Yeah. I I texted you. Yeah. Just anyway. So, but William Regal being the commissioner, he can kind of call matches how he wants and kind of schedule them. Made Dreams come true and we get the scheduled Undertaker versus Triple H and also Kane versus Big Show at WrestleMania. So the Brothers of Destruction are in action separately, but they're in action. So with that though, again, where's Raven? What's going on here? It was actually the following week that he was added to the match because of his prior involvement and being the hardcore champion and all the interference. And so we now have the triple threat hardcore match for the championship at WrestleMania 17. So kind of an interesting, it zigged and zagged a little bit. We'll talk about it after, but all different things at play here and just all different people and kind of stories coming together. So
1: a pretty good build. So Tom, what are your thoughts? How many combined years of general manager experience does William Regal have? I mean, you have one
2: day, so I mean, you're on your way already. So
1: it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Well, and what he's doing now, that's a, that's a good topic for the after show.
1: Oh, it sure is. So, uh, all right. (laughs) Couple quick things here. There's a list on uh, WWE.com eight most unbelievable hardcore matches ever. This match that we're going to cover is number four, the Evening Gown King of the Ring, match between Patterson and Briscoe's three. So I don't know if this match was uh, necessarily about star quality, the list. But anyways, there's some, some fun match. Some, uh, some really fun matches on this one. We can talk about in the after show. Number one, by the way, was the uh, Shane McMahon. Steve Blackman's SummerSlam 2000, which was the one with the like weird 80-foot fall backwards onto the crash pad.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably the only reason that's number one. But yeah, that image is iconic with him just floating through
1: but, the air. But yeah. you know what I always laugh about, though? It's like, like they'll have him go like 80 feet in the air because like there's a crash pad. I'm like... I bet you like 15 feet through a table is a lot safer than 80 feet off of anything, regardless of what's below, right? Like people jump off bridges that high to kill themselves. We will be talking about crash
2: pads in the aftermath. Don't you worry. So yeah. We
1: will. All right. So with that, let's get to the payoff. If you're watching at home alone or home along, it's the uh, 27-minute mark of the pay-per-view. So again- You can be watching
2: alone. That's okay
1: if they're watching alone. No big deal. Like- Alone along, whatever. Or if you're watching home alone while you're listening to this, I guess there's a lot of ways you could have taken that. A lot but of people a lot of people dual screen. It's all right. WrestleMania 17, 27 minute mark on the dot. If you want to watch this match, if you're finding it online, it's right when the match starts, finishing up the entrances. So with that being said, it's time for the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. All right, we're here with Raven, WrestleMania X7. Let's talk a little bit about your run in WWF. How did you end up there, and what did you think of it?
0: I ended up there because I left WCW, and I went to EC- back to ECW, and then WWE came calling, and so I left uh, ECW for the second time and went back to WWE for the second time.
1: What was your relationship with like Vince
0: McMahon? Uh, almost non-existent.
1: What did you so? You did color commentary with him. What did you think of him as a commentator back in the '90s when you were doing it with him briefly?
0: I enjoyed it. I mean, he, um, yeah, he didn't know all the moves and stuff, but he 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 was very good. His voice was perfect, and he knew what was exciting and what wasn't. You know, but I mean, he was he was good for the times. You know.
1: So this probably would have been the biggest crowd you had ever worked in front of at this point,
0: right? I think I was in a bigger one for WCW. I think there's like what the
1: Georgia Dome show, maybe.
0: Yeah, Georgia Dome.
1: Okay, pretty comparable. This was back in the Astrodome. Yeah. So then, when you were younger, even there anymore? uh, It's still there, but then they built a new one next to it.
0: I was gonna say, yeah, because that's a that was like the first big dome, wasn't it?
1: Oh yeah, that was the AstroTurf. That was because the Houston Astros. Right. So you had a good relationship with Shane McMahon when you were there back in the '90s, right?
0: When I was Johnny Polo, I did. When I came back, I didn't. Not from anything particular. Just. He was just different to me after that. Yeah, we used to be really good friends. Any major
1: regrets from your career? Anything you'd like to oh, do over? Many,
0: so many regrets. Really? So like what? Things, my, so many things I would have done different, you know, but yeah, that's who, it makes you who you are. Well, I have one major regret from this match, and, and that's that, that? Uh, when the Big Show choked me by the throat and yeah? I'm driving the golf cart and Kane's following me. I drove us. Well, you know, I'll wait till we get to the thing. I'll tell you about it when we get to the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, it's one of my big regrets.
1: So Heyman's doing commentary on this show. What was your relationship like with him at that point?
0: Uh, we still hadn't made up yet, really. So where's Big Show at?
1: I don't know if he hasn't come out yet. There he is right there.
0: Oh, Okay, so we're fighting a while before his introduction starts. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, these guys dwarf me. Big dudes. Yeah, really big dudes. But you know, like now it's good because a uh, guy like I mean, you had to be a certain size back then, but now you don't, which is good for. Um, For the smaller guys, they have an opportunity now, you know. But It is impressive that uh, with all the lights on, all the people. Man, I I haven't seen this since it happened.
1: I'll keep in mind, this is almost 20 years ago, and it looked that good back then.
0: Yeah. Wow. Kane's up on the top road, diving to the floor in a big show.
1: Yeah, he was pretty special.
0: He was jacked. He was huge. Look how big he is. Yeah. Now we're going on to the crowd. But see, I like this. That we didn't just go into the crowd for the crowd's sake. We had a destination. We had a reason for being out there. I get to go through the window, through the, the glass. That was fun. They wanted me to leave my jacket on. You know, they're like, you know, so you don't get hurt. I'm like, forget that. I go. If I leave my jacket on, it's uh, it's gonna look ridiculous. Why would I have my jacket on if the match is going on? I know I'm going through it with just a t-shirt. I would have rather gone on with going through it with no t-shirt. Except that there is no reason for me to take my t-shirt off either, though.
1: I mean, this is like uh, working a desk job compared to what we saw you do in ECW earlier.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And going through the plate glass window really didn't hurt at all. So, that was fun.
1: So, tell everyone, what are you up to these days? What's keeping you busy?
0: Um, I'm a sloth. I'm a lazy sloth. So, I watch TV, play with my dog, do a podcast, do a couple indies. You know, some months I'll do two or three. Some months I'll do zero. But it's, it's really by choice. Like, I turn a lot of stuff down. It's more I'm, I'm doing well, and I like, uh, I like being home. You know, I was on the road for 30 years, and I never used to feel comfortable at home. You know, I always, felt more, I always felt more at home on the road than I did at home. And I finally, you know, learned to love being at home. There goes show into the wall. Tell everyone about your podcast. Ah, the Raven Effect podcast. It's a blend of nonsense, stupidity, and idiocy masquerading as a podcast.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the same thing we're doing over here at the payoff.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's like we don't talk about wrestling a whole lot, you know. But I'm trying to talk about it more because I know that's what my fans want to hear. But yeah. I prefer to talk about other stuff, and I think fans like hearing about other stuff too. But you know, because you know, wrestling gets old hat. I think. But now shows stalking me down the back of the Astrodome. Now I'm into the in area. so's the ref. I don't know where we're going now. Oh, he's locking us in the fenced-in area. So we're trapped with the big show. Now you're trying, trying to climb a shelf? shelf? I'm trying to climb up the back, uh shelf out the back window, or out the back fence. Kane breaks in. I forgot about all this stuff. It's a good, it's a good match. Yeah, I, I really, I, when a couple weeks ago or earlier today, whichever it was, when we talked about my favorite matches, I should have included this. But there's one spot that breaks my heart, so I, I can't include I never include it. When uh, the golf cart spot, which is coming up.
1: Yeah, yeah. You'll point it out when we get to it.
0: Yeah, so we'll get to it in a minute. Let's see what's going on now. Now I got a hose and I'm choking Kane. Nope, he's choking me. Nope, I'm choking him. Nope, he's choking me. I still have that Deathstroke (laughs) t-shirt. Somebody wanted to buy it off me. Like, you know, you sell your ring merch. You know, people always want to buy stuff. They're like, yeah. And and so I was going to sell it to him. And then he's like, yeah, you wore it at WrestleMania. I was like, ah, maybe I better keep it.
1: What's the best compliment you ever received from someone about your work as a performer?
0: Uh, When my friends come up to me and they go and they go, "Yeah, I was just oh there I go through the plate glass window." When fans go up to my friends and they go, "Is he really that big a dick?" That's the ultimate compliment because that's what I try to be. You know? Hey man, you
1: you scared the hell out of me as a kid. I mean, I was intimidated by you. I would never come up and talk to you as a kid.
0: I was scared of Abdul the Butcher as a kid, and even when I was in high school, I was like, "He's real." Like I bought him as a real. You know what I mean? I was so disappointed to find out, really, he's just a fat guy from uh, Canada. <laughs> but, I mean, it broke my heart because I really thought, okay, he's real. You know what I mean? But that's how believable he was. Yeah. Kane and Big Show just go through a wall. That's pretty interesting. I was wondering where they were going with it. How was going through that play glass? Oh, it was fine. They even had a little mattress for me. So when I went through the window, I'd land instead of having to land on the floor. So they had to quickly pull the mattress out before those two guys went through the wall. So now I'm going for the golf cart. Get okay. out of the way, sir! Get out of the way! I'm jumping in the golf cart. Woo! And uh, Big Show jumps on, and uh, he starts choking me. So as we come up, see the fence on the side here. Yeah. I thought the fence was like hard, so we, I could bounce off it and you know careen off it. You know what I mean and stay driving, but it didn't. It didn't support the weight. So we went off the edge, and um, and that ended the golf cart chase because originally they were supposed to Kane was gonna we were gonna hey! the way around so I ended up running my getting my run over I got myself in front to get run over to make up for it but Kane was supposed to be driving and following us and we were going to circle the entire Astrodome in the golf carts like he was we're, I mean show we're driving one and he's following behind us in another shows choking me and we drive the whole way around the Astrodome. would have been that would have been my favorite spot like almost ever and yeah. I totally screwed it up I was so pissed And I almost killed all the power in the building. Oh, there's some some blood on my arms from uh, going through the glass. But I almost killed the power to the entire building. They said the the electrical guys told me after the show, they said when you went through the the golf cart, you sliced through the wires, and you came within like centimeters of cutting off power to the entire show. How much heat would that have been?
1: I would not have wanted to talk to Vince McMahon after that if he did that.
0: No, no. I was so bummed out this whole time now, like I'm working, and all I can think is, oh, I didn't get to do the golf cart spot. And when I got hit with the golf cart, so I ran into I let Kane run into me. And uh man, they thought I was really injured, but I was just working it. But uh I was so bummed out. I was trying to do anything to just try and make up for the fact that I ruined that great spot. Ah, such a dummy. Yeah, because you guys
1: probably would have gone around there for five minutes just around yeah, the whole
0: time It would have taken forever. Oh, I was so bummed. You have no idea. To this day, I'm still bummed out. That's one of my big regrets. <laughs> if there's I, just one- thought, I just thought that with show choking me, it would make sense if I careened into the fence and bounced off it because I couldn't drive straight. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it just didn't work that way.
1: If there's one moment from your career that you could relive right now, what would it be?
0: Oh, I don't know. Um, the, uh, I, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to think, you know? How about going back to ECW? Was that a big moment? Yeah, I mean, Portland had big moments, you know. I've had I've had such a great career. I mean, I'm so so unbelievably lucky to always be able to get a job to stay, you know, in a in a good spot everywhere. I felt like a lot of places I didn't get to be the the level of star that I wanted to be. Like I didn't get the the push that I that I felt like I deserved based on talent alone. But you know, that that's either here or there. I don't, so I have regrets about that. You know, there's lots of stuff to have regrets over, but it just makes you who you are. There's nothing you can do about them. I don't have regrets where it's like it makes me sad. Oh a great spot I mean, show show had me in a press slam and uh kane kicked him in the gut and we both flew off to take off the stage onto a uh smoke filled something or another and kane just dropped an elbow on show but i don't have regrets in the sense that i you know that i worry about it or you know that it upsets me or i even think about it but if you ask me do i have regrets yeah sure i'd love to do a ton of stuff differently i would have made more money you know i would have made even more money than you know I would have done things differently financially as well, but it all worked out because I'm I'm doing really well financially because I had great investments. But I would have still had more money to because uh, you can never have too much money, really.
1: Well, you don't know how long you're going to live. That's the problem.
0: <laughs> right? Exactly. It. So you know that's why it's always better to have more than less. But honestly, though, I really can't think of anything now. You know where that I there's there's nothing. Oh, there's me going through the glass again. There's nothing really that, I wish I wouldn't have been as big a dick to people, but what are you going to do?
1: Oh, it's probably tough to, to cut the line between like, you know, the character and the person and all those things, you know, easier said than done.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, but I like who I am now. So I ended up in the place I want to be with the person I want to be with. So I've, I got no complaints. How's your health? It's great. Considering I've had a heart attack, I've had three herniated discs, you know, I've had, uh, I got type 2 diabetes. I got a really bad sleep disorder. But aside from that, I feel great. You know what I mean? Like, I feel healthy. So, I mean, yeah, if, if, if I had my druthers, sure, I would, I would want more of everything that I like. But I'm not going to complain. You know I mean? I think I'm really lucky. I'm lucky to have the career I had.
1: You got your health. You got money. I'd say, you know, all things considered, you're in pretty good space.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I got, I got family. So.
1: What was the biggest challenge or maybe the lowest point of your career?
0: Oh, when I was in WWE and they weren't using me well, that it broke my heart. You know, like here I was used well, you know, in the hardcore division. But after that, you know, but even then I wasn't on TV every week, you know. And back then everybody was on TV every week. So I wouldn't be on every week. I was not being used great. I was so miserable and I was so miserable to be around. And that, that, that I have a lot of regrets over because I wish I would have behaved better. I wish I wouldn't have alienated myself so much, but you know like I said it's that's just life. There's well, no there's no um there's no rule book.
1: Yeah, and you're you're a hard-working creative person, so sitting backstage at catering and not being able to perform, it pissed you off. I mean, what what's better? Someone sitting there collecting a paycheck and and keeping their mouth shut?
0: It killed me emotionally. I mean, it killed me. You know, and then I had enough I've had, I've had, you know, enough emotional issues throughout my career anyway. Eventually I ended up on a psychologist's couch, you know. And, you know, because for even at that point, I couldn't look at my career as a, as a success because I held myself to such a high standard that I felt like my career was a failure. Even though if somebody else would have walked up to me and said, hey, what do you think of this, my career? And it would have been mine. I would have said, man, that's amazing. You should feel great. But I couldn't feel great because I held myself to a higher standard than I was even ever able to achieve. So I spent a lot of time on a psychologist's couch and finally got my shit together. Well, so, we, should
1: all, we should all be on a couch. We're all fucked up.
0: Yeah, no, we should have. And, and that's the thing is that's why, you know, I, regrets. Yeah, but who knows if I wouldn't have had those regrets, maybe I wouldn't have ended up in that position and, and went to the psychologist and ended up being happy with myself. You know what I mean? I could have stayed miserable myself, but had more of everything but less happiness, which is not what I want.
1: Well, let's wrap up with this, which is, I mean, if people are whatever, doubting themselves, or they feel like they haven't reached whatever they should have, I mean, what do you recommend they do?
0: See a psychologist. I really do. I mean, you know, I got a few friends in the business who I've talked into because people are people are embarrassed. They don't want to go. They're like, I don't need a shrink. I'm like, look, if you if you have a broken arm, you put a cast on it. If you have a chemical imbalance, or you have emotional issues. That's the same thing. You Instead of putting a Band-Aid on it, you see a psychologist or you see a psychiatrist to get meds if you have a chemical imbalance or you see a psychologist if you have emotional difficulties. But that's way better than, uh, than just suffering in silence. I really feel for people with mental illness and it really should be talked about more publicly because there's so many people that are just so afraid and embarrassed to talk about it, you know?
1: But, well, and they either do nothing or they Google stuff, right? And it just makes them more upset or, or going through more problems. So I think it's really important. And, and again, we, we all have our issues. We all have our, our deficiencies, our doubts, whatever it might be. So getting it out and talking to someone is very important.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would never see it, you know, know it from watching me on TV. But I was insecure my whole life, you know, because I didn't feel like I fit in. So what I did was I made a wall and then so that I never let anybody in which just exacerbated the condition and just made things worse. And if I would have thought to myself to see a psychologist many years earlier, you know, but that's a regret that I didn't see it earlier. But ultimately, the bottom line is I'm grateful because I did see a psychologist when I needed to. And that's, that's my big thing now, I guess, is that I'm just grateful for what I have and grateful for what I've done. And uh, I'm really grateful for the career I've had.
1: Your body of work is fantastic, and uh, I don't want to get you in trouble or ruin the mystique, but you're a hell of a nice guy too.
0: Ah, you're just saying
1: that. No, you were fantastic. This was great. We appreciate you being on this match and joining us for a number of matches, and I'd really like to do this again sometime uh, because there's a lot more we could talk about, and uh, love to have you back on again.
0: I'd love to. All right. Thank you. Take care. Ho! it's time for the aftermath
2: as always welcome back and have to thank Raven for joining us just great guests like love having him here so about this match I miss the backstage kind of matches and segments like this you know we still get all kinds of backstage segments, but, and it's tough, you know, Tom, you know, especially after being at raw 25 and I mean, that was two venues, but kind of, you know, when things weren't happening in front of you, that was a hell
1: of a wait, but yeah, it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, a thousand people in a New York city audience, we pissed off that two and a half hours of a three hour show happened at another venue. Didn't see that one coming. Good on the Miz, though. So you look good in your Ico Pro shirt, but yeah. You're right, I, th- I did. That's right. So
2: I feel like even today, though, when they do some of these kind of backstage segments or matches, that it just doesn't gel as well as this one did. For whatever reason, it just – I say it looks smooth for what it was. And so I enjoyed that little spot with the cage area where they just kind of destroyed it. And, you know, who doesn't love a good glass break spot? I can't imagine to – or, well – one piece of this, and I don't know if Tom, if you caught this, maybe it was just me, but when Kane almost ran Raven down in the golf court, was it just me or could you hear the fan just kind of yelling like fuck him up? Like No, but I'm sure that happened. <laughs> I'm sure it happened because like kind of where they were. I'm I'm wondering if that was a thing. So this one was fun though. So Tom, what did you think about the payoff?
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I don't know how you classify like this type of match, like street fight, mid card, you know, going all over the building, like whatever it is. But if you've seen this type of match a hundred times, which you probably have, this is better than probably like 90 or 95 of them, right? I think that's kind of what you were saying. Was like, there's just something about this. You're like, wait a second. Three man matches are usually pretty sloppy. These types of like street fights where it's not a 30 minute main event with them killing each other, but just kind of like the mid card like plunder. Normally they're not nearly this good, and they're more just kind of disjointed. But this was a really. Fun match, and it's way better than you'd think it was. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that. And uh, again, I, I like how this show had a little bit of everything, right? It had some great wrestling, it had some surprising moments, it had a match like this that was completely different than anything else in the show. It had the comedy battle royal with like some of the old names, it had everything, man. It's that's why, like, start to finish, it is one of the best pay per views of all time, if not. Arguably top five, if not the best ever. And yeah. this was
2: early on the card. I mean, they did this 10 minute match, which I get it. A lot of it was backstage, but like it was a little bit earlier on the card. And this was like, I, I you know, in the build up to it, probably one of the better matches where all of a sudden people were paying attention to be like, hey, like something good could happen here.
1: Correct. Yeah. No, and it was, it really was. No, there wasn't a really a bad thing on this show. And some of the stuff was fantastic. But yeah, it, it just, it fit well and uh, it was fun. So, Tell us what happened in the aftermath between these three guys, because I know there's a lot there.
2: Yeah. And so this match, as we could tell, it was all over the place backstage, but it culminated with the big show. He was about to press Slam Raven off of the side of the ramp. They were at the top and kind of throw him off the side of the stage, if you will. But both were then kicked off by Kane onto the aforementioned pad to kind of soften the blow here so the two of them went through that there was smoke it was you know worked a little bit of course you know because when you go through a table smoke comes but a little bit of that and kind of into it was almost like a ball pit type area it was a little odd but then you, you got the pad where they fell into and then the two of them were in there and then so Kane did a diving leg drop that was off the stage I say on to big show if you're paying attention and kind of looking and at the time we probably didn't care but my call here one I don't know like the kick that he gave looked really bad from the angle that they showed And then, two, him jumping into the pit, if you will, onto the pad for the leg drop. It didn't look like he was anywhere near Big Show whatsoever. So, you know, it was obscured, so it didn't matter. But then Kane pinned the Big Show. The ref, on the side of the glass pit, if you will, gave him the one, two, three. So you have your new hardcore champion, Kane. So just fun. just fun that's another no way to call it so uh as for all the players in this match we'll kind of go over everybody's career in you know, a little bit here and we might cover it on a future episode but he came he spent most of that year and he didn't hold the hardcore championship for long but he spent most of that year and 2002 working uh you know as the brothers of destruction with the undertaker they fought american badass undertaker so they fought infuted just about everyone on the roster all kinds of different teams singles tag whatever it might have been they even held the tag belts for a while so they had that going on for them and so Kane's career a lot happening obviously we know he's still today doing what he does mayor still showing up occasionally to you know for the fiend and so just good stuff but Big Show, he had a fun one here because of all of the, as Tom touched on a little bit here, the selling of WCW and what was happening there. Big Show actually went on to face Shane McMahon, of all people, who at the time, uh, if, you, if you, all of us that remember that transition well, he was the uh, television or on-TV owner of WCW at the time. Tom, I see you laughing in your camera there just thinking about this one. And so um, this was a last man standing match. Yes, this was Shane McMahon versus The Big Show. Uh, This is at the next pay-per-view backlash after mania and big show was actually beaten by shane mcmahon there was a little interference from tests there but did take the loss and so that was fun i guess and then raven our guest he kept staying in the hardcore title picture he was a big player in the the wcw uh, ecw alliance which you know we'll discuss it another time but uh, in the period Fairly quickly after this, too, and Tom, hopefully you remember this one as well. He was in one of the more famous feuds uh, with Perry Saturn, Terry Runnels, and the Mop, Moppy. And so, uh, who eventually, <laughs> geez, I wish everyone could see my and Tom's reactions right now as we talk <laughs> through this. But that was a thing. And so, of course, we all rest in peace Moppy, who was fed to the wood chipper. But, Tom, do you have a favorite inanimate object that played a major role in a WWE storyline? God,
1: me, uh, Or just like something that had that kind of. None of them, you know. Uh, all right, all right. I was always a fan of uh, Austin hitting McMahon with the bedpan. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. And I don't have that one in my notes, but that's a good one. (laughs) Okay. And then it's not like a major, but like I just always used to get a kick out of people bringing like actual road signs to ECW shows that then they would get into the arena and then the wrestlers would use. I'm like, isn't that like illegal? You would think that. Yeah. Yeah. But not there. Uh, What what do you have? Some fun
2: ones. I had someone's listed here. You can't forget Al Snow and Head. That was a great one, you know. Very popular, Mister Sacco. We we could never forget Mister Sacco. One that uh, one of my buddies actually texted me because he's very good at doing it himself. But the uh, Santino Morello Cobra uh yeah. him putting the side that's a very good one too and then i've talked about it before on the show and i'm a huge fan of mitch the plant and dean ambrose when he had the plant and i when i was just kind of th- going through some notes mitch actually does have a one of the wrestling kind of uh, database pages and it said he could regularly be seen silently co-hosting the show from his stool which i did appreciate that mm-hmm. mitch is on twitter too but hasn't tweeted in a while but
1: it, you know I, it, it's complete uh you know side note but it's really hard to believe that uh you know John Moxley left the WWE <laughs> yeah
2: real real stretch there yeah hard to believe so yeah um Stewart Raven though uh he actually bounced brand I say bounced brands a lot like Raw SmackDown there were some drafts all that stuff having especially good drafts but
1: well, drafts or trades I mean right two different managers that exchange some talent yeah
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. So none of it really panned out. You know, some different kind of crazy storylines. He was on, spent a lot of time on Heat, which, you know, to test out some different things, which that didn't really go over because nobody watches it. But he was released in 2003, actually. And then two days after his release, three days, uh, he showed up on TNA so he had that like I said we'll cover some more with him but that was his kind of trajectory at that point so Tom again a lot of different players a lot of different career paths but what thoughts do you have on the aftermath
1: yeah I mean, you know Kane has gone through some different iterations over the years. I mean, this may have not been his most memorable stuff, but uh still, what an overachiever, considering he was once a fake diesel big show they just never figured it out, man, and I go back to when they brought him in big star in WCW, they could have brought him in however they wanted, and they had him look like a dumbass when he like helped Vince McMahon to lose a match against Steve Austin. Then, I want to say it was... At WrestleMania, but I know he lost. Not that maybe like Austin beat him, but then he lost at WrestleMania. I'm I'm forgetting exactly what happened, but they just killed him, right? And it's like then there's times where it's like, oh, he's going to be a big nasty heel. Then there's other times he's going to be like a in a comedy role, and then he's going to be like a good guy mid Carter, and they just never figured it out with him. It's like it's character development, right? And it's so much of like what we see now, where it's just how many of these characters do you actually care about? Like, and that you are really invested in. Oh no, by the way, once you are, how often do they fuck it up? So, you know, again, I just, they just never figured it out with the guy. You could argue the best stuff Big Show ever did in the company was when he was the ECW champion because Paul Heyman was kind of booking him in these matches and he was in really good shape. Yeah. Raven, look, Raven was an ECW character. It was never anything that was going to translate the way it should have on the WWF and WCW programming. I'd almost argue that like they would have just been better off giving him a brand new gimmick or trying something different because it was just never going to be the same. So, But again, fun match and uh, three really interesting characters in it and it was fun to watch. So hit us with the write-ups, Jeff.
2: Yeah, I'll start. The Torch had a little bit more of a – I'm going to bounce around here a little bit. So we got a, we got a little bit of everything here from both the Torch and the Wrestling Observer. So, And I kind of condensed some of these down just to have a little bit of fun with these. But I'll start with the, the Torch right up here. A big Show arrived. Show lumbered to the ring as Kane beat up Raven in the ring. Big Show has a world of potential, but you can't build a career on potential. You have to get things done, Jr. said. Kane then got in the golf cart with the ref riding on the back. The cart ran into Raven. Raven sold a knee injury as a result. Big Show pressed Raven above his head. Kane knocked them both off balance, sending both crashing through the set below. Kane then leaped onto them and made the cover. The ref couldn't get into the pit, but he slammed the sidewall on the stage for a three count watchable. Two and three quarters stars. The Wrestling Observer had two different write-ups, and I enjoyed kind of both of them here. So, start with the first one here. During this match, all I could think about was how Big Show's career had skyrocketed in the past year. After all, just scant months ago, he was paying his dues down in the minor leagues of Ohio Valley Wrestling, and then here he was, working a hardcore title match at the biggest show of the year. Just when I was feeling really proud of Show, I remembered that last year... On the same pay-per-view, he was in the main event fighting for the world title. Oh, yeah. All three guys went over the barricade into the crowd. Instead of breaking into a fight, it broke down into a 500-meter walk. They ended up backstage. All through this match, I was waiting for Pete Rose to do his big run-in and win the hardcore title. Didn't happen. Which, that's a take. So, yep. And then another kind of just kind of fun, just interesting right up here. And again, pieces of it that Raven took a bump through a plate glass window. I thought it was sugar glass, but it may not have been as Raven was bleeding pretty heavily from the arm afterward. Show through Kane through a pretty heavy looking door. They brawled into this room that was so small it made show legit look like seven foot four tall. Also nine hundred pounds. They both took a bump through a wall like a shockmaster, which when you're getting compared to the shockmaster, maybe you are doing something a little bit wrong here. So Show's enormous ass displaced the weight on the golf cart and they were subsequently involved in an accident, which consisted of the cart running headlong into a set of bleachers. Luckily, nobody was seriously injured. Kane saw this tipped over golf cart and the two nearly motionless bodies and decided that walking over there on foot would have taken too much time. So he hopped in another golf cart to give chase. This was so hokey, but damn entertaining. They ended up back on the main stage by the Titan Tron. Show was about to throw Raven off the stage, when Kane snuck up behind him and kicked them both to their doom. Their doom consisted of them landing on a big thing, a pretty soft and squishy thing as well. How's that for a visual? Kane then did a leg drop off the ramp onto the thing and pinned the show for the title win. Ross made sure to mention that Raven had not been pinned to lose the belt two and a quarter stars. So. He got – what do we have here? Two and three-quarter stars, two and a quarter stars. Grapple, we like checking them from time to time. Well, Jeff,
1: what we'd we'd like you to do is give us an average of the uh, two-star rankings that you saw in the Torch and Observer. That would be a a
2: two-and-a-half. So, uh, we're, we're sitting at two and a half right now, Good so job. I can do some, I can do some basic math if it either comes to, uh, something like that with small numbers or if it's anything you and I know anything relating to sports betting and horse racing or sports
1: gambling. And I can do the math on that super simple. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I ask you what six plus four is and you can't figure it out. Then I ask you, you know, calculate how many points they need in the over, under the fourth quarter of an NBA game. And you know, right away. You just multiply
2: the first number and then divide by the second. So
1: (laughs) it's not that hard. So anyways, so
2: grappled a little bit higher if we were to take that number. They got a 3.26. This match a little bit higher than some of the other ones that we previously talked about, but a 68 rating. So a lot of people had given this one a ranking. So grapple a little bit higher from just the fans, if you will. So I'll say this. I I did enjoy this match because as the write-up said, it was definitely hokey. I think that was the best word even I could have come up with on this one. I just thought it was a really good way to describe it. I thought too that for better or worse being described to the Shockmaster, master, but when I went back after I read this, I actually went back and watched the match again. I watched it a couple times, but I think it was pretty accurate because rewatching it, you almost feel like they didn't know the exact spot where they were supposed to go through the wall. It kind of like Big Show went right away because he's the Big Show. And luckily, the bottom of the wall was worked. But I can't imagine, too, you know, did they not realize at the time that these rooms were built? for this purpose. Like, I just felt like reading that, they didn't realize. So I can't imagine being, you know, showing up to work and you're like super excited to work on WrestleMania and they tell you, yeah, go build this little tiny room that they're just going to destroy. Like, what a work day. So you never know what you're getting into at WWE. So I I thought it was fun. You know, just some kooky spots is the best way to, you know, kooky spots in the write-up, which is fun. So Tom, what did you think of the write-up and the reviews?
1: I guess the write-ups were fair. You know, again, this is why when you do the star ratings like I mean, yeah, it wasn't a great match, but here we are all these years later talking about it and people still remember it It, and it was a lot of fun and it was comedy and it was plunder and it was cool, right? So like I probably liked it more than the reviews and again, yeah, in real time you look at it and you're like, oh, it was the eighth best wrestling match on the show. Yeah, it probably was, but we're not covering uh, Jericho and Regal or whatever other match you know was on the show. We're covering this because it was fun and memorable and not even an info way, but just a fun way. And it was part of a great overall show and it fit well. So I'll I'll just go into my payoff score and then you can go ahead and give yours. I will give this a five. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was solid. It was fun. I mean, if you go back and watch it right now, or if you did during the conversation with Raven, you're, it's probably better than you remember it, right? At least it was for me. So I think it was really solid. I, I don't want to call it a seven and a half and put it in with some of these like super memorable moments that we've you know covered or seen. But I think solid five for me. I enjoyed it. Jeff, are we close? Are we far away? We're kind of close. I'm actually going to go with six and a half. I actually
2: appreciated, and if you couldn't tell from me just kind of talking through it, I appreciated the build a lot on this one. I feel like maybe it's just us as wrestling fans, like anymore we want, like, you know, feel like it's in the air that we want these super long builds. But this was about a month long build before Mania. And it had a lot of different angles to it, but it was pretty good. Like, the payoff to it and the match, like, it made sense in regards to the storylines. How we got there was a little weird. Like, you know, the getting arrested and all the different interferences, like, made sense. But I think that along the way, it just it made sense to me, and so and it is really just a, a fun stipulation. This is about a ten minute match. We haven't really seen it be replicated well. We'll talk more twenty four seven on the after show. But it was a quick match, but not fast. It told the right story, and you know the build just made sense, which a lot of times it's just rare. So good stuff though. Six and a half. I said a lot of this goes into the build, and like I said, I'm all for a. a glass spot. You know, the most infamous one, of course, of your hero, Shawn Michaels and Marty Janetti. but this was a good one too. So. Yeah,
1: Janetti jumped through the glass. He did jump through the glass. It's not nearly
2: as bad as Shane not breaking the glass. So we'll take the wins that we can get. So, Tom, any final thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah. So, and we'll talk more about this in the after show, but I, I think like comparing the 24-7 title to the hardcore title is absurd because the hardcore title I thought was better. It had some It had some really memorable matches. It wasn't straight up complete 100% comedy. So, yeah, I you know, and, and again, I, I just thought this was good. I thought it was really solid. I enjoyed it. I know you did as well. Fun show, fun episode, fun to look back on this one. But yeah, I really just nothing else. Just uh, enjoyed it, and I hope everyone listening as well did. So let's close it up and get out of here, Jeff.
2: Yeah, I'll say glad we got to finally cover a hardcore championship match. This one was fun. It was just kind of cool digging into this one and seeing what was happening. And thanks again, as always, to our guest Raven. Just fantastic to have him here. So appreciate him uh, joining us once again. You can find him on Twitter. He is at the Raven Effect. And you can also hear him every week on his podcast, The Raven Effect. So easy to find him out there, just The Raven Effect. So, and as always, like we start the show, end the show as well. Uh, subscribe to The Payoff. Give us those five stars. Spread the word about the show. Always out there on that social media, at PayoffPod. Just that one Patreon tier, just payoffpatreon.com. Make sure to check us out for all that bonus content. So, Tom, give us that hardcore exit and send us home.
1: All right, as always, thank you for joining us on The Payoff.